from the Mercy One Studio. Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bishop Johnson coming to you uh, from a remote location. Uh, Kelly Mesher Collins, my co-host, is uh, on furlough with the rest of the Pastoral Center staff. So we hope Kelly's uh, relaxing and taking some time to be renewed as well. And so we've got a little bit different format for you. As uh, Again, the password, the uh, clue word is bitten to disclose that on the uh, location that we're at as well. So, so a beautiful summer day, and as uh, we're here, we're thinking a uh, shout-out to Archbishop Lucas of Omaha, who this past uh, Wednesday celebrated the anniversary of installation as Archbishop of Omaha. Since 2009, congratulations, Archbishop Lucas. And of course, Cheryl, during that extra yoke, too, as administrator of the Lincoln Diocese. So we pray for you and lift you up to the Lord that the Spirit might continue to anoint your ministry in beautiful ways. I had great grace as a trip last Saturday as I was at St. Elizabeth's Antique Church in Carlisle. I had my first baptism. It was a baptism as a bishop. I made hundreds of thousands as a priest, but to do this was a special grace. And, uh, uh, Evelyn K. Descamp, uh, daughter of Leslie and PJ, into the church. Uh, she was just a delightful little peach there as well. And as the one point I made reference to my mentor, Robert Sokolowski, talking about how we come into the world. She started cooing along with me. So, you know, in a few years, we'll be doing a few uh, appearing, you know, in different ways. So. So, uh, conscious of more sober note of the uh, execution of uh, Dustin Lee Honkin last week in Terre Haute, Indiana, the federal prison, uh, sobering thing. And uh, Courtney Crowder's account in the Des Moines Register this past Monday of witnessing that, asking us, are we really better? Was justice served? Was there healing for uh, victims of, of Dustin's uh, executions? and in different ways. So we're grateful that Father Marco Keefe, a Benedictine priest of St. Minoret Abbey, was able to be present to him and offer the consoling presence of God and bless him in that way. So a mystery that's kind of inscrutable where he was in terms of his standing to God, but uh, as for each of us, we trust in the mercy of God and blessing in that way. Summer months here today on this feast of uh, Charbel Maclouf, St. Charbel, uh, a Lebanese monk and hermit, but who managed to combine time away with uh, time before the Blessed Sacrament. It's great reverence for, for Jesus. And I think that's a, a friendly reminder to us, all Catholic Christians, that though we may uh, break from our regular schedules, and obviously COVID has upended some of our routines that we can find ways to be present to our Eucharistic lore. Many who are still present uh, through the uh, respect for our protocols at Mass, at churches, others wisely uh, saying that maybe they're a little more vulnerable. But the opportunity to stop by and pray, our churches remain open to make a time before the Blessed Sacrament and our Eucharistic lore to grace as any hermit or contemplative does to bring uh, the Lord's presence uh, to bear upon the world, and, and we so sorely need it. I'm grateful to be with uh, some uh, priest friends of mine, people that I've known for some time here as I take a few days away in the concluding part of the furlough. I'm joined by uh, Father Kyle Digman, pastor of St. Thomas Aquinas Parish and Catholic Student Center in Ames. A lot of our Des Moines uh, Catholic young people find their way up to Iowa State University, even though Father Kyle would trace his bloodlines to you and I, and maybe we'll hear a little bit more from that as well. 
Father Michael McAndrew, also a newly ordained priest last year, associate pastor at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Marshalltown, the largest parish in that region. A lot of his presence, so his bilingual capacities and his own charism working. And then finally, also Father Scott Bullock, pastor of St. Edward's Parish in Waterloo, Iowa, and uh, Cedar Valley Schools Catholic Coordinator and, and other things, and former rector for Father Kyle and Father Michael. So, so just uh, Father Scott, does any question that set up our break here? Yeah. Well, I know that uh, when uh, Father Kyle and Father Michael went seminary, Father Johnson was there. Now, Bishop Johnson was their philosophy instructor as well as a spiritual director. So I'd like to know how he, this man, influenced your life. <laughs> For good or bad. Uh, I don't know that we want to know the response to that, but we'll let the, we'll let the good fathers ponder this here. Support for we... Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. According to a 2019 Global Food Security Report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help all of them. Most of us can help one. One child. Your gift of $1 a day through Blessman International provides a child in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. To get started, go to blessmaninternational.org and click Sponsor a Child. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. back with making it personal with bishop johnson again i feel uh without my aide de camp with kelly measure collins but we'll try and press on with the spirit's assistance here so father bullock threw out the question to you both father kyle and <laughs> father michael and if you need me to leave the uh spirits were together so you can speak <laughs> candidly it's closer to but, uh, be merciful be merciful <laughs> oh. oh well i father see michael you. thank you <laughs> so i was uh let's see at loris college um, 2013 to 2015 and so father bullock i think was the rector and father johnson now bishop johnson was our the um director of spiritual life as well as our philosophy professor so i had a uh, class with him every time and so it took me a little bit to uh figure out his his style of teaching sometimes and realize sometimes i I just needed to figure out some things for myself. <laughs> and I was blessed to have good seminary brothers and, and, um, and his willingness to meet with us and, and, and uh, talk with us outside of class is always very helpful. But uh, <laughs> as someone say, time. you know, I mean, I may be speaking English, but it's a language we wish for not much familiar. No idea where it's coming. <laughs> that's so, the nature of philosophy. <laughs> I think we all, and then the birthing process, you know, <laughs> yeah. we kind of have to experience our own <laughs> yeah, yeah. deaf and muteness. <laughs> and we say, Ephatha, you know, we open. Brother so. yeah. Kyle, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, so I remember coming to Loris College and entering seminary. And um, yeah, I mean, very academic. You're studying philosophy. So when you're thinking about being a priest and serving, 
um, studying like modern philosophers isn't exactly the most exciting thing to get thrown <laughs> into. Um, but I do remember, I guess, one of the bigger impacts was um, uh, Father Johnson, now Bishop Johnson's love for study and philosophy, which was not a part of my life at that time. I had gone to the great University of Northern Iowa, and um, okay. that was mostly a time of self-discovery and other stories that I can't share on Catholic radio. <laughs> <laughs> so going into seminary was, um, yeah, it was a bit of change of pace. And one of the things I fell in love with that I didn't plan on falling in love with was study, learning philosophy and um, wisdom. So that was something that I know Bishop Johnson modeled to me, his love for it, his appreciation made me want that as well. I saw he's mm -hmm. got this love. Um, more than that was his love for the priesthood. He wasn't just a teacher or an intellect. He was in love with Christ <laughs> and he was a priest who loved it. So instead of don't, looking at don't just brain, look at my brain, right? look, at, <laughs> look at my face. I'm down here. <laughs> no, but the church's wisdom, uh, no pun intended, in asking a man that they experience uh, program philosophy to, to really how has the human community addressed the ultimate questions over time. So I won't make yes. an apologia for philosophy now. Uh, Michael, <laughs> you've been living a pastoral experience that first year, honeymoon as a priest, perhaps, yeah. but also some unique challenges. Any thoughts? And, you know, you're fortunate to be living with two priests, so a little micro community there in Marshalltown, but uh, any observations? Yeah, yeah. So I, I moved into St. Francis Parish just uh, last year in May and or in uh, July, actually. And um, I've loved it there. It is a very big parish. We were two parishes before St. Henry's and St. Mary's that have now combined into one with both churches still operating. But um, it's been a real, a real joy to live with uh, the pastor, Father Alan Dietzenbach and, um, and uh, just a recently retired Father Duane Toman. And so we have a great little community there that we've established in our, in our rectory that um, we eat dinner together and, you know, we found that priestly fraternity. I think we know this as priest that is just so important. And so having that is really the lifeblood of a lot of my ministry. But then the people in Marshalltown are fantastic. Um, I like as a new priest that I get to just experience a lot of things. And, and that's what this first year has really been about, about learning how to, how to do marriage prep, how to baptize a baby and, and not waterboard the baby or something <laughs> you know? or, or, and, and so in my ministry as well, there's a lot of, uh, there's this great Hispanic community there and their, their faith is beautiful. And it, um, it's uh, something that inspires me every day. But, uh, so I get to do a lot of ministry in Spanish, a lot of quinceaneras and a lot of weddings in Spanish. And, uh, just, you know, three of our masses on the weekends are Spanish as well. So, um, figuring out how to homilize in Spanish has been an ongoing challenge as well, but one that has been uh, a real fruitful one and uh, just really grateful for the people there have been encouraging me in that way. And um, just really calling out my priesthood for me. I think that's one of the big things about priesthood is that the people have called it out of me. That's something that I really noticed that as soon as I was a priest, it just started you know, where they, yeah. they started asking for that stuff. And, and it's marvelous. It's yeah, the, the people of God continue to form us and exactly. as we give ourselves yeah. over in that way. And, uh, you know, with some Honduran roots, you know, yeah. your own family, your parents. And uh, okay. so we don't just assume all Spanish speakers are all saying there's a lot of cultural diversity. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kyle, uh, you're working with a whole diverse population. Obviously, Iowa State yeah. uh, shut down uh, with yeah. the on-site things. Appended your world as for all of us, but just observation now, you know, the young people that you work with culturally and the, the mindset that uh, you're encountering as yourself, a fairly young priest. Yeah, um, one of the big surprises going into campus ministry was um, 
how young college students are these days. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I got old. I don't know. But anyway, I think there's a lot that could be said. How old are you? 35, 38? But yeah, it's been it's been pretty awesome to be able to be with the, those young people. So the millennial generation, there's a lot to be said about figuring out millennials or you know whatever millennials do. But one thing that I've loved with the college students is their authenticity. <clears throat> there's not a whole lot of duplicity in them. They are either on fire and hungry for Christ and and uh, meaning and purpose in their life, or they're not. <laughs> but people people aren't sitting on the fence. They're not lukewarm. They're you you see what you get. They're not gonna they're not gonna beat around the bush. And I've loved that because um, you either know you gotta really try to proclaim the truth or help them find Christ, or um, or they're gonna be passionate about it themselves. And I think um, when I think about vocations, when I think about priests, uh, when I think about people that want to enter into holy marriages, have holy families, um, yeah, I think that's a pretty awesome thing to see those young people so intentional about that. One thing I don't see a, a whole lot of is uh, well, there's just a lot of fear I think in college about what what is my future? What is my calling? How do I work all this out? And so there can be sort of paralysis happening because they don't want to make a decision or a commitment, but it's beautiful to see when they do make it, when they say, no, I want to be married to this person for the rest of my life. I want to enter seminary. Um, once they're free to be able to make that commitment forever, it's a pretty beautiful thing. Um, but I do think in our, our modern culture, as a wise person once told me is, habituated to keep all your options open mm -hmm. and i think the college environment kind of um keeps that keeps that going it, it sure, sort sure. of makes you want to keep those options going mm -hmm. um so one one thing that i try to do in my ministry is just help them see the freedom of giving your whole heart to something like mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing to give everything and when i see those students make that turn it's a cool thing to see mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. And thank you. And maybe we'll come back as we think about sure. the cultural mindset that kind of fades into that. So, mm -hmm. so Father Bullock, Father Scott, you obviously as a pastor of a fairly large parish mm -hmm. and a diverse population coming into For Waterloo sure. in a way. But, you know, in your spare time, besides being judicial vicar for the Archdiocese, <laughs> you found the, the, the desire and the inclination to be teaching high school students sure. at Columbus Catholic High School. Did you say what, uh, why that became a priority? Well, for sure. Uh, my desire is that the students can develop uh, an ability for critical thinking, critical and uh, view of the world. Our Catholic worldview is one where we use our intellect, we use reason to, to uh, understand God's ways. And so it's a, it's a joy. So I teach English. Uh, I chose that to do that instead of teaching the, uh, religion or theology, because again, I want our students to know that their theology and religion is not just in one part of the world and the rest of the world is a religion-free zone. And so the fact that we try to, uh, I teach them how to write and how to think uh, is, is hopefully preparing them for life as Catholics, no matter where they go. Um, I actually was quite in, in, impressed with my students this year because um, they went all the way through January without a single day off of school. <laughs> and so they began to pray earnestly that they could have some extra days off, <laughs> feeling like they had been neglected. And I, I didn't realize what spiritual powerhouses <laughs> they were because they have succeeded like none other <laughs> three months off now i wonder if they're praying to go back to school after being with their families in close yeah, quarters that would be their parents praying so yeah well we need to harness that for our session do you have another observation well just you know they are inspiring like uh, father kyle had mentioned uh, as all of us we need to uh discipline our 
our, our, our desires. And so they have a great uh, passion for life. But I think what we bring them is that directing that toward, a, toward an end uh, for which we've been created yes. to know, love, and serve God and, and give honor and glory to God. And they want to do that. They certainly want to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very inspiring to be with them. Yeah. I think I was coming across, and I hope I don't misattribute it, but even Paul Claudel was saying, you know, that, you know, if we can trust our desires if they truly are of, you know, what God is leading us to. And that we want, that's really honing, you know, that we're not starting something. We're, we're working with God as a doubt us in this way. And that we want to recover that trust. You know? Yeah, I remember hearing a, an analogy of sort of the desires and passions. So I think about this with college students a lot because they're very passionate and they have lots of desires and emotions. Um, but it's like rocket fuel, right? It's a powerful thing. It's a good thing, but it has to be pointed in the right direction. If that mm-hmm. rocket is even a, a small, there's a lot of aerospace engineers at Iowa State. <laughs> so it's all rocket science. SpaceX, baby. Yeah, they'll tell me if it's even a half a degree pointed in the wrong direction. Of course, that, that rocket fuel becomes disastrous. Mm-hmm. Um, so much like our marriage, desires are great. It's very powerful, but directing that is not easy. <laughs> I mean, with some men, you know, Father Michael, you're a very gifted uh, singer, you know, voice and everything else. And Father Scott, obviously, literature and everything, enlisting the imagination. Can you reflect for a little bit how, you know, the imagination and, you know, yes, sorry, philosophy, the critical and the analytical powers of the mind, but that's just only part of who we are as human beings. Right. I just I think that uh, my love of literature is is engaging in the the human experience, the human condition, and uh, the fact that uh, an, an author would explore, for example, uh, how God's grace reaches us in in a time of of suffering, uh, is inspiring. It's inspiring to us to, to reflect on that, and I, and I want to invite our young people into that adventure of being human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's for me with uh, singing and music, that's been something that uh, has just been a beautiful introduction into a spirituality for me. And uh, that was the way that I experienced God in so many ways during high school and college, just having um, those experiences in choirs or, or singing and things. It's just a, it's a transcendental sort of an experience for me. And the beauty of that um, <laughs> really was, um, it always led me, to want more. And I always felt very fulfilled by that, but even more than when it was really prayer. Um, when I got to do that in a, in a, in a way that it was, we were directed toward God with that either by the choir director or in a, in a church choir or something like that. So, um, Father Michael, I've seen how people are affected by your gift of, of music. It's a, it's, it takes us to a, sometimes a wordless place, yes. um, a place of joy, a place of praise. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's what the human heart is longing for as well. Something I was struck with you, Father Michael, when I first knew you, Loris, is that there was nothing at performance in what you were doing. It was totally self-effacing. It was all pointing us all to God and not to Michael McAndrew. You know, and not that that's a bad thing, but uh, you know that that's uh, kind of where you were with us too. So. The goal <laughs> makes sense in life as well. Anything we do, if it if it becomes about us, whether it's our family or our work or whatever the case might be. When it's about me, it loses the beauty and transcendental nature of what our human life is supposed to be. So any, anything that anybody's doing, singing, working, normal things in their daily life, if it's about others, if it's about, about something higher, there's a beauty and truth Absolutely. to it that is so attractive. So singing more so than maybe other things. <laughs> well, 
Am I going to get a comment? <laughs> well, it's an easy one to it's an easy one to see, but I, I think that yeah, I mean, you show us fraternity for sure. I think that's something I can see in you, and that and that it is a beautiful thing and something that is attractive. We want to be around that. So, yeah, yeah with a couple minutes left in this segment, uh, Kyle, you weren't holding forth, but you had some interesting reflections as we entered into our kind of relaxed mode here. But obviously, the conversations have a life of their own. Sometimes with a barley soda in hand, sometimes, <laughs> you know, but, uh, 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 kind of where you see generationally where the music may not necessarily guide us where our passions and things got intended to point us. Right. In terms of culture, there are many different voices and forces that are out there. Um, and I think that's challenging for young people, especially. It's challenging for me to sort of navigate those voices. Um, however, I think at, at the heart of, of everyone, and I think again, this is what maybe the younger generation is getting to, there is a hunger for something deeper, something more um, that, yeah, that college students at least are being able to call uh, call out culture and be able to say, this is, there's something more that I want here. There's something missing. Um, so yeah, it's difficult to navigate those. And it's difficult for them to hear amidst all those different voices. So I think if there's anything we can do um, in terms, I mean, priests, parents, anybody, is to be that voice for truth, to, to recognize something transcendental in them something that's could go beyond so um yeah i mean we can be that voice yeah and we've certainly seen the kind of welling up of lots of voices people who feel victimized and oppressed so black lives matter and then in the wake of the george floyd uh, uh, death and, and that's there um is this a moment for us as, as a church or for you and your your very diverse communities that you you serve now any thoughts maybe father scott yeah we ser- i mean of course we hope so we always count on that and uh you know, having a large immigrant population in our parish, uh, they help us understand uh, the immigrant experience. And uh, it's easy for us if we don't have that experience of being someone who uh, might feel an outsider or, or a misunderstood. So we're really grateful for that. Because you've got people from Mexico, Latin America, Congo. Congo, Togo, from yes. across Africa. Yeah. Sure. So your polyglot uh, gifts there in French. And we try. Spanish and, and, uh, <laughs> so we'll take Thank a brief you. break. You're listening to IO Catholic Radio, Spirit Catholic Radio. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq-demoin.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. We're back. It's making it personal with Bishop Johnson and uh, not flying solo today as I'm joined by some fine priests and uh, hanging out a little bit on these days. Uh, Father Kyle and Father Michael, you traced some of your path, life path through uh, Cedar Falls and University of Northern Iowa, where I know a lot of our young people from the greater Des Moines area and Des Moines Diocese find their way there, some with a teaching vocation. 
Well, what was that place like for you? Where where was God present or not present if you weren't open? It's absolutely formative for me. Uh, and uh, oh, Father Michael. Yeah, that's funny. I, I mean, yeah, as opposed to Father. No, I, of course, I mean, deformed. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, college is a time of you know, self-discovery in a lot of ways. And so um, I think that's what I found in there was that I, I found that I was a lot more that I wanted from life. And my vocation was born there um, at the student center at St. Stephen and, and with my friends. Uh, but I, I just really relished those years. I think they were great, um, both as the meet the music major part of it, but then having the experience at the student center, getting to be involved there and as a leader and, and eventually finding a vocation priesthood out of that. Never really expected that to come from there, but uh, Cedar Falls still has a very fond place in my heart. And Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that'll always be there. Yeah, I think our regents universities are, are pivotal places where so many of our young people. Yeah, I mean, obviously, absolutely. I have a certain disposition to, to Catholic education, but I mean, mm-hmm. I think the, this is where so much is happening you know, for our young people. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty coming-of-age moment to leave home, of course, and be on your own. And I think that's when you ask the most pivotal questions of your life. What, what am I going to do? I mean, you're, you're really out there on your own, and you have to figure it out. Yeah. So I remember that being formative. It surprised me how little I studied, that <laughs> but, um, but perhaps instead of studying, really reflecting deep down about what my life is and talking to friends about my needs, uh, it was a pretty uh, huge moment. Um, and I remember a philosophy professor, uh, second best philosophy professor I ever had next to Bishop Johnson, of course. Oh, um, <laughs> but Jerome Sonneson at um, UNM. I'm not buying your dinner tonight. Why <laughs> <laughs> did you try? At least a bottle of wine. But uh, yeah, Professor uh, Sonnison had mentioned in a philosophy class that all of the people that lived great lives, the greatest livers in all of history, found something worth not only worth living for, but even worth dying for. Absolutely. And that has stuck with me for a long time. So that question was huge when I was at UNI. Um, being a teacher was great. I, lo- I loved uh, the education school. It's a lot of education, which I didn't like <laughs> as much. Um, but that's when priesthood was really on my heart. If I can give every day from this life, from yeah. this day to the next to help people encounter Christ. Um, yeah. So if our listeners haven't guessed yet, with a mitten clue uh, up here in Michigan on the main <laughs> part of Michigan, uh, east, <laughs> east of Traverse <laughs> City. Yeah, so, yeah, so the helicopter's waiting to get me out of here. It's me out of here. But uh, uh, kind of rustic place, but uh, Father Bullock, you know, you talk about English, but you really use both parts of your brain as you, your path led you to Iowa State. Exactly right. Yeah, I used to be an engineer, uh, but then I saw the light. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, the, the light came to me. Uh, but yeah, that, that was, you know, that was 29 years or no, 35 years ago, actually. But uh, that's a formative place. I mean, so that's why we put such an effort in our student centers, because we want to give, uh, and for me, the experience was having a prayerful, prayerful place, a place where I could go in and uh, have sympathetic uh, persons who held beliefs that I did and values that I held, but it was waiting for me. Mm-hmm. And when I was uh, ready for it, it was uh, ready to help me find my vocation. Mm-hmm. So that was goodbye engineering, hello theology. <laughs> oh, the General Motors Institute and all of that, wow. General Motors and all that you've done there. But, uh, you know, and uh, uh, you know, you can speak sometimes about the culture of. Uh, you know, all the campus ministry and else, but Father Kyle, you were saying you know, some guys kind of fly under the radar screen too. It's unbelievable, especially at Iowa State. It's been a, a hotbed for vocations, but um, the guys that come there are incredibly, I mean, they're already at a maturity level. And I think about a couple guys that entered seminary last year and they were kind of involved in campus ministry, but not a lot. 
they were just good men in love with Christ that came from good families. Uh, and once they met Christ in the sacraments and um, asked the good, asked the right questions, they were off to seminary to give their life for, well, yeah, for Christ. Yeah. So this wasn't a, a subtle recruiting pitch, but so be it if they're there. Yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to some time in the saddle biking with some of you. Uh, thanks to all of you who gave me some advice in my Catholic column. Uh, make sure my tires are inflated. You know, I'll we'll definitely be doing that. And we'll make sure we're well nourished and, and hydrated as well. So peace to you. This is Making It Personal Bishop Johnson. God bless you. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.